Welcome to the third episode of the Quilting Stories podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with quilter Amanda Lyons. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the Quilting Stories podcast. My guest today is quilter Amanda Lyons. Amanda is the author of Wonderless Quilts and the co-author of Inspired Free Motion Quilting, 90 Antique Designs Reinterpreted for Today's Quilter. She has taught quilting and workshops, and she works as a long-arm quilter. Amanda, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. Well, how would you describe the quilts that you make? Uh... <laughs> That's a great question right off the bat. Um, I tend to like making quilts that challenge me technically each time. And so they're all a little bit different uh, depending on what type of technique I want to explore. So I would say they probably fall into the modern category a lot um, because they are they have really bold, clean lines and are very bright in terms of their colors and but yet, at the same time, they also use a lot of really traditional techniques in how I make them. So uh, it's it really is kind of a combination. But I think I tend to fall more in the modern category. Sure. Well, can you tell me the story of your quilting life and how you got started on your quilting journey? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so when I started quilting, it was 2002, I think. Um and I remember this because I was taking my fella to meet my grandparents out in California. And we had kind of just started dating about that time. Um, and he had to work and he works remote, has always worked remotely. So he was out working remotely and I was hanging with my grandparents and uh, we were there for a week and I was looking for something to kind of keep myself busy. And my grandfather actually was the one who was like, hey, have you seen the, the family I, family quilts? When I mentioned, yeah, maybe I'll try quilting. Um, and he brought them out. And there are a couple that the family had had. And it turns out that my grandfather is the one who really loves quilts. He never made them. Um, but he really loved them. And my grandmother is the one with the sewing machine. So this sewing machine Everybody in my family had used it. My aunts, my uncles, my both of my parents to make stuff all, you know, throughout their lives. Um, and in California, back in the 70s, they didn't have like REI or anything like that. So you could get these mail order kits of um, sleeping bags that you'd stuff with down yourself. And, you know, so everybody had made something on this machine and I wanted to make something on this machine, too. And that's really how I got started was, you know sewing on that 1947 singer trying to continue this family legacy of making something on it and then I kind of got so was it was it a treadle no it was electric but it was mm -hmm. kind of like one of those scary electric machines where you're kind of like oh I hope this wiring is still sound uh, and there's no rod in it and <laughs> it's gonna like have a short and electrocute me um but it was you know uh 
it was it was a really fun experience, you know, cutting the fabric on the coffee table on this little bitty mat that I had. And, you know, quarter inch was just a hope and a prayer. And, um, you know, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it was it was a lot of fun. And it was kind of like, Ooh, what else could I sew, you know, and, and carry on this family tradition of making things and quilting and, you know, because it had skipped my parents generation. So I was kind of curious about that. And had you done any sewing or crafting before that? Well, yeah, you know, kind of crafting. I was always a, I had done a lot of hand sewing as a, as a kid because I, I, I love the idea of making stuff. And so was really kind of a crafty kid growing up and um, had, I still have these little hand sewn dolls of, you know, that I had made. And I was always fascinated by like the pioneers and their make do kind of attitude and um, kind of like, well, I really like seeing a lot of things. How can I make that myself? You know, and that's kind of something that I've that I've always done. Um, so, but like realizing that there's this whole world dedicated to this, and that there were fancy tools that you know you could use and find and make things easier and quicker and you know, more precisely if you wanted that. You know, that was that was really it was really exciting. So what kind of quilts did you make at the beginning in 2002 versus the quilts that you're making now? Well, back then it was, you know, I started off with Alex Anderson's Learn to Quilt and it was a a, a railroad, you know, just the, the three rectangles together and then alternating directions. Um, and then from there, it was pretty quickly moving on to... Um, more modern stuff, I guess, where it was like a traditional block that you had altered in some way to be, uh, you know, a, a non-traditional in appearance. Um, and I just remember at the time, it was a really exciting time because my, my fella worked for blog lines. And so that was the beginning of the, of the blog and Flickr and all of that. So I was following and, and writing at this point back in the, back at that beginning point. And, um, you know, it was just really neat to see everybody kind of come to this discovery at the same time and sharing their things and being so excited about it. And, you know, it was, it was, it was really fun and exciting and freeing and, you know, um, that was so I would say that I started off that way, but now, as I have gotten more into it, I've kind of gotten into more two different things, like uh with a book with Bill, it was kind of an interest in uh really traditional quilts and kind of the expertise required to make them and then um I'm also really interested in kind of art quilts now that I can kind of free myself even more from the from the 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 not rigidity necessarily and not the rules but I can be more creative in terms of my interpretation of what makes a quilt so um and I think that's you know exploring my own interests I think is more of my focus now in terms of like well what what could I do to make something different and what could I do to try a new technique to me? Because um, if I'm not learning something new, I kind of get bored. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you working on now? Can you tell us about your latest quilt? Uh, well, the latest thing that I quilted was actually, I'm a, so I'm a long armor. 
And I just finished a quilt for Patty Murphy um, that is uh, was a piece that she had designed and she had sent it to me right before lockdown. And we, um, it, you know, it was just a, I, it, it, <laughs> it's, it's a hard thing to answer because it's kind of like, there's my quilt that I work on for myself. And then there's the quilts that I work on for other people. So, sure. um, the most recent one was a quilt I worked on for Patty. And so mm-hmm. it was, it was a fun exercise. Cause she said, I trust you to do what you want, which most of the people who send me quilts say, um, which is a blessing and a curse. Um, but in this case, it had so many secondary designs and it was a really great quilt to work on because I could really just do a lot of different things on it. So I think I had more than two dozen different stars and, you know, almost 30 different templates that I used, um, to do this, this quilting and it just turned out really lovely. And so that was a, a nice stretch to be able to, uh, you know, come up with my, um, my own design to go amplify her design. And I think it turned out really well, but in terms of my own quilt, I'm thinking of remaking a quilt that I had made in the book, the first book, Wanderlust Quilts, um, to kind of, I don't know, to kind of, up. I, update it to look different I guess like it seems I look at it now and I'm like oh that's so early 2000s you know (laughs) like you know it's like a a big design kind of in a big white space kind of offset in them in the to this to one side you know and I'm kind of like yeah I want to I want to redo that um so I'm thinking about redoing it but I'm thinking about doing it in tiny tinier blocks uh right now the blocks are six inches and i want to do them in three inches and then i want to do it the entire quilt so i guess it would look more much more like a traditional quilt when it's done um but it's also technically really challenging because literally everything in it is an inset and is going to be inset and it's going to be like a puzzle to put it together so Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. I don't know. Um, it's the Fishborn quilt that's in the in the book. It's the last. It's the last um, quilt because it's the most technically challenging. And this book was to be a a skill builder for modern quilters to try and challenge themselves to do things that were a little more advanced, perhaps, than what they had started off with. So, how did you get into long arming? Can you talk about that? Um, I wanted to make more of my own quilts and I wanted to be able to make them more quickly. Uh, and so I knew that the quilting was going to be the, the bottleneck for me, uh, in terms of finishing them and having them done and moving, being able to move on to the next one. And I knew that I could also pay for, um, my, I could also uh, get paid for my work as well. So it was kind of a, a, a it had a dual income stream kind of thing, <laughs> you know? So, um, so yeah, so I started long arming in 2012, I believe, and, um, and have been long arming ever since. So do you have any system of keeping track of all the quilts that you've either pieced or long armed? Uh, I wish I was 
better at that. I mean, I have like my business records of like, oh yeah, I, you know, I build for this, but I don't have, I'm terrible at, at putting up photos on social media. And it's usually because I'm the, the last thing that I, that I want to do is I don't want to spend the time taking a really good quality photo of like setting it up and all the rest of it, because that's a, that's a big process. And I want to get it out the door back to my customers as quickly as I can. So a lot of times I have like one hastily shot photo (laughs) and uh you know i'm like okay that's good see you later bye usps you know um (laughs) but so but i do have a i do have a lot of systems in place for taking notes and for you know uh keeping track of stuff while i'm working on it um i am a huge bullet journal journaler, which works with my, the way my brain works. So I, you know, have um, notes and things dashed down on this one journal. And then I just kind of list the, all the pages that they end up on, um, you know, so I can find, (laughs) so I can find them again. It's very stream of consciousness. Um, But yeah. And then I, I, and if it's a really involved quilt that I actually have research on, uh, for example, I did this quilt for Christy Fincher. Um, She calls it double Dutch and it was kind of a, a, it had tulip, it it had tulip designs and it was made with cotton and steel fabric. So it was really lovely. And so when, but, and she, and again, she said that, you know, you can do whatever you want on it. And I, you know, looked at it and I, that, that, that tulip design just reminded me so much of like the Pennsylvania Dutch. And so I did a lot of research on um, toll painting and, you know, different designs for how, what, what the, uh, what kind of um, images you'd see on toll painting. And I'd really tried to recreate some of those images in the, in the quilting and the free motion quilting and the open spaces. And I think it turned out pretty well. So I still have a file of all the images that I found and the, and the, you know, the notes that I made and what the, the brush strokes looked like and the types of flowers I used. And I used some of them from um, the book that Bill and I had written um, because they had that same kind of look and feel like the big poppies and things like that. So Great. Well, in your book, Wonderlust Quilts, you write about classic art and architecture inspiring quilt patterns and the quilting designs. Can you explain how classic art and architecture have inspired your own quilts? Oh, yeah. Um, So a lot of the things that we recognize as, you know, uh, as uh, human beings, we have this language of pattern that is part of our, no matter where you are or what period you're in, you know, we use the same kind of building blocks in terms of basic geometry, right? And so uh, things that can be found in nature um, that are, that we tend to replicate and recognize as like beautiful. And so for me, what I found really inspiring was that, you know, you see these ancient mosaics that, you know, look uh, that are literally a one-to-one correspondence with modern quilt blocks. Um, And by modern, I mean 18th century and later. (laughs) Um, But um, what I found really pleasing about a lot of that stuff visually was that, you know, they have these classic design principles of proportion and, um, you know, what the things to our eyes that 
you know, really are that, that are soothing and, and pleasing and that you want to keep looking at. And then, you know, how do you turn that into a quilt? And then how does, how does that unite us all together in these ideas of, you know, beauty and form and function and, um, you know, I just, I find it to be, um, the, these kind of design principles are something that kind of goes through, um, every age, you know, how do you balance things out? Where does your, what, where's your eye drawn to? What kind of proportions do you use? And a lot of these, uh, ancient buildings were made without, with, were made without, uh, with, without the advanced mathematics that we have now, you know, so what they're using is a proportion of, you know, a one to three or one to five, um, you know, one part to five parts and and dividing things up like that. And I find that really helpful when I think about making a quilt. Well, how, what ratio am I using to make it look balanced? Um, You know, how do I, how do I, um, how do I use these numbers um, without advanced math to mm-hmm. figure out a way for a quilt to look pleasing and draw you in and, you know, give you that sense of harmony, I guess. So. Um, how has the pandemic impacted your quilting and creativity? <laughs> I have a complicated relationship with that. Um, no, it was, it was funny. I was working, I mentioned Patty's quilt before that I had finished the quilting on just recently. And that was a long, that was my big project for the, for the pandemic quilting. Um, I've got two kids and they were both quarantine schooling at home since the middle of March. And so i what I found was that, um, there were so many little decisions that had to be made during the day that the little design decisions that I had to make on that quilt, because there were so many variables and so many unique stars and so many, you know, little technical choices about, well, what kind of thread do I use? And do I want to go this way or that way? You know, um, I found that it really slowed down my process because you know, I just felt like creatively that I had, I had already used up most of my design making decisions, um, for, for daily life. <laughs> and so it, you know, and, and also the, 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 the family needy factor was that I, I just, I couldn't get away to get into my creative zone. Um, in quite the same way. So I could get in maybe a half an hour at a time before an interruption. And that was really kind of a struggle. Um, but I also found that while the actual work was really limited in terms of my time, I found that my, my that my creative mind was not limited and that I was kind of like, well, how do I, you know, I had a lot of ideas, um, but I think that was also because I was kind of stuck inside and, you know, it's like, oh, I really want to be moving on to the next thing, but there's no way to move on to the next thing. But what would that look like if I did? So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there, I think it was kind of like more like concept art at that point, you know, where somebody puts a if, puts a piece of paper up on the wall and they're like, well, if I was to make this, this is what it would look like, you know, <laughs> that they didn't actually make the 
make the piece of art. I feel like that was that sums up my uh, quarantine quilting at this point. But gotcha. Yeah. So, so when you're designing or piecing a quilt, are there mm-hmm. specific colors or fabrics that you gravitate to? I really like solids because, um, I, well, okay, let me back up. I love big prints. I love big prints. But what I end up making is always going, ends up being solids because if I'm spending the time on figuring out all my little intricate piecing and my, you know, fancy quilting and all the rest of it, I feel like solids show it up the best. So uh, as much as I have this massive stash of these glorious prints (laughs) by, you know, Barry J and Anna Marie Horner and, you know, all these, you know, beautiful, beautiful prints, they, they end up being less used than I would (laughs) like, because I'm like, Ooh, but if I'm doing this really intricate little, um, piecing design, I really want, you know, or my quilting, I really want that to show up. So, um, and so for that, I tend to use, um, a lot of cherry wood because I just really love how, it's like it's almost like these colors are so luscious you just kind of want to chew on them I mean you know I mean (laughs) if I was a kid I'd be like "Ooh, put that in my mouth you know they're they're just they have that they have a depth to them that I really like um but any solid I'll use any solid if it's the right color right So. so so what inspires you creative creatively are there other arts that inspire your quilt making books Music, paintings, or movies? Um, I really lately have been inspired by, um, yeah, you know, a lot of, a lot of painting, I think. And just the, just the, how all the different colors and, you know, what kind of, what, you know, thinking about how, what makes a painting dynamic. Um, I think one of the things that I really want to explore in terms of quilting is how to create that sense of dynamic motion where you're not just looking at, um, you're not just looking at one, one, the quilt as one piece, as one whole, and your eye is resting on it, and that's it. Now, I want to think about how you get your eye to move around, how it really draws you in. What would I do to make that happen? You know, um, and I think that's kind of where. I think that's where the combination of quilting, the actual quilting with the, with the piecing can make a, can, can make that happen. And I'm really interested in storytelling lately um, in terms of, well, you know, you have these, you have these storytelling quilts from the, the Gullah tradition in South Carolina that are just incredible. You know, like I think of the, the story quilt um, that the community made for Michelle Obama was just lovely, you know, and it's part of her long, her, the long tradition um, in that community. And then I think about the Baltimore album quilts, you know, which is kind of like a different kind of storytelling. Um, And then I think about, you know, I mean, I just kind of am like, well, what kind of storytelling would I, would I, would be my version of storytelling for quilting? And that's kind of, um, I think, where I'm heading right now is like the next thing. And I haven't quite figured out what that's going to look like for me yet. So I haven't started anything, but I've got lots of little ideas of like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> th- th- of, of what that could be. And then it's like, and then you always, I don't know, you always come up with this thing with like, well, what story would it, 
what I tell, you know, I'm just the normal person. So do I really have a story to tell? And then, you know, you get into your own head about that. (laughs) Right. So if you were talking with someone who's intrigued by quilting, but maybe a a little intimidated to get started, Mm -hmm. what advice would you offer them? Um, that you, I, I, it's, it's two, it's, two different sides of a coin. The first one is you're going to make mistakes. So make them joyfully, (laughs) you know, really embrace it. Um, And then the other one is um, the flip side of that is learn the proper techniques and learn the correct way of doing things so you can break the rules in a way where it doesn't harm your quilt. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, I was, so as a former archaeologist, you know, one of the things I always think about is longevity. And, you know, I'm really aware of how some quilts last for a couple centuries and some quilts last for 10 years, you know, and some of these quilts that last for a couple centuries were in heavy rotation and in heavy use and some weren't. And um, so I'm, when I'm thinking about what I'm te- when I teach beginners, you know, I teach them, well, you know, you, we do things this way because it means that your quilt can last w- with washes, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's going to hang correctly. It's not going to put stress on, on seams or on quilting unnecessarily. And if you, if that's your goal, if you want a quilt that you're going to be able to use and wash, there are some things that you want to take into consideration, you know, like a quarter inch seam allowance, you know, and when can you trim that quarter inch seam allowance down to an eighth of an inch and why, and, you know, um, things like that. It's so it's like, yes, embrace all your mistakes and just throw yourself at it and give it a try. Cause it takes, I mean, it's just like anything else. It takes practice to get, to get to that, um, point where you're comfortable, but at the same time, know why people have recommend doing things a certain way so you understand it and then you can knowingly break the rules if you want to (laughs) so i don't does that make sense it does it does so when you get into a sewing or creative funk what do you do to get out of it i do something completely different um and this kind of gets to one of the I know you didn't ask about this, but this kind of gets to something that I'm really working with right now is like, I um, was, have been diagnosed with adult ADHD, right? So for me, um, maintaining a consistent focus for a long period of time is really a struggle sometimes because in my, my, literally my brain is like, okay, you've spent enough time on this. You, and I start getting like antsy, right? So I have a lot of different projects going on all at the same time so that when I do get in a creative funk with quilting, I go and do some watercolor or I sketch something or I, you know, try making uh, like try making a doll or um, cook because I love to cook and or go for a walk or something but I feel like or I go look at other people's quilts or other art or you know there's there's this constant need to have 
more input. And so if I have a hard time with the output, I look for other input. (laughs) So. (laughs) So do you have a quilt that you've made that you don't really like? Yes. Um, <laughs> Can you tell I, me about it? I, I it, honestly, it's my first, I still haven't finished it. It's the very first quilt I made, which I still have. Um, and it's, it's, you know, basted together, but it's, you know, it just isn't, it wasn't quite my style yet, you know? Um, and it, I, and I was still kind of trying to figure that out. Um, I do have, a, usually it's a quilt that I've remade into something that I do like because I didn't like the colors. I didn't like the, didn't like the flow. Um, but, you know, um, but it's there. Usually if I commit to, to making a quilt, I've usually thought it through a little bit. Um, so it's very rare that I don't, that I don't, I'm, uh, it's totally rare that I hate something. I usually, (laughs) I am in like with it, even if I'm not in love with it. (laughs) But, um, I will say there is like one or two times where I'm just kind of like, meh, it was fine, but it's not anything that I, you know, those usually end up being gifts (laughs) to people who do like them, you know? So, um, which makes me feel better about it. So that's great. So what quilters have inspired you along the way? Oh, um, oh gosh, so many, uh, you know, I really, I really love all the long armors like, um, Lisa Kaye and Bethann Nemish and Karen McTavish and, you know, the, for the, for long arming just have been, you know, they're so generous with their time and their, and, and Jamie Wallen and, you know, uh, and they've just been so generous with their time and knowledge and just their, their real passion for, and love for what they do. And, um, you know, it's just been, it's just really, it's really lovely to see. Uh, and, you know, they just, it's, their depth of knowledge is just always so admirable. I just really, <laughs> you know, and they're just nice people. So that helps too. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it tends to be, for me, it tends to be more falling in line with um, the the quilt. It's funny, I hadn't thought about this, but it tends to fall more in line with the quilting as opposed to the piecing. Um, and I'm not sure why that is, you know. Um, I, I feel like the quilting has a different degree of, of uh, a, a different kind of art to it than the piecing does. I don't know how to explain it. You know, it's almost more like brush painting or, or calligraphy or something like that. So it's a, it's a, it has a different flow to it. And I think that's one of the reasons why it comes to mind first sure. for me. Well, do you listen to music or podcasts when you're piecing in long army? I do. Um, I tend to, uh, and this goes, I, I, this goes back to the ADHD thing. I tend to listen to the same things over and over again because it helps me get into a groove. Um, and it helps me kind of like be like, okay, right. This is the music I listen to when I'm working. This is, you know, what I listen to when I need to get motivated. And I did that in grad school too. <laughs> um, I think I watched the BBC's Pride and Prejudice or listened to the BBC's Pride and Prejudice six-part series. Uh, uh, probably thousands of times. Um, the Harry Potter books. Um, I, the gross point. Okay. So on Google play, 
music, there's the gross point blank soundtrack and somebody went through and figured out every song that was in it. And that is a great playlist. Um, I listened to a lot of eighties alternative, um, you know, like uh, echo and the Bunnymen kind of, you know, Susie and the Banshees kind of stuff. Um, and, but, you know, if it, if it, re- if it requires too much attention, I have to, I have to, um, be careful about what I listen to. Cause then I'll stop and really listen with full attention <laughs> and kind of forget what I'm working on, which is like, Oh, right. I need to be finishing this quilt, you know? Um, so that has been, I, although, uh, like I would just recently listened to Trevor Noah's born a crime while I was, um, quilting and I found myself listening to something that he'd say and the quilting would get slower and slower and then I'd stop and I'd just listen and I'm like okay wait I have to (laughs) get back get back to it get back to it so so do you have a favorite quilting tip or trick that you've learned along the way oh that um what well, I'm trying to think of one that I use more more often than not. Um, change your needles frequently if you're quilting, um, and if you are if you are having a hard time with quilting and it doesn't seem like it's going so easy, um, you know, change your quilt change your needle. Um, and the one I use a lot is that if you're doing something with a lot of backtracking where you go over your stitches over more than once, I tend to not use quilting needles. I actually tend to use embroidery needles because they're designed to punch through thread. So if you're doing backtracking and your thread's popping on you and breaking or shredding, maybe try an embroidery needle, uh, instead. And that will, you know, that may help you fix some of your mistakes. I also, and this is, this is the one I actually use a lot. Um, and I learned this from my friend, Christy Fincher, um, and her mom, Sharon Chamber uses it too. Um, and it's that, um, if, you know, your thread is going around your, uh, the race hook assembly, hundreds if not thousands of times right as as it as you form a single stitch so that's a lot of stress on on that thread and so what i do before i get going is i take my the machine oil for my sewing machine um and i t- and i uh draw a bead of oil on on onto that thread uh in a few places and i let it soak in um usually, you know, an hour or so. You can't see it when you squeeze it with your hands. It doesn't come off on your hands. It's it, but it adds a little extra tensile strength to that, uh, to that thread. And especially if it's a problem thread that's breaking a lot, it tends to help kind of smooth that out and it reduces a a lint a little bit too. Um, and I, (laughs) and I think when I do that every time I think about this story from, um, when they brought the Egyptian obelisks over from Egypt to Italy and they were um, figuring out how to erect these obelisks in uh, different parts of the city. And the biggest one is in St. Peter's Square in Rome. And the story goes that they, they, you know, it was a big public event. Thousands of people were there watching this. And the rule was that you had to be absolutely silent because it was such a, it was, it was such a dangerous thing to lift this giant obelisk up. And so um, there was this a ship captain there who was watching this. 
And as they're raising it up, the ropes are starting. It's so heavy. The ropes are starting to fray and break. And he breaks the rule about no silence. And he yells out, wet the ropes, because what wet ropes have more tensile strength than dry. And so that saved the day and the obelisk was raised. And I think about this all the time when I'm quilting because I'm a nerd. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I, those are, those would be my, those would be my suggestions for the quilting. So, and so what sewing machine and long arm do you use? I have a Bernina long arm of the Q24, which I love. And it's, um, I change threads all the time. I quilt with any any thread that fits what I need to do. So I quilt in cotton, I quilt with polyester, I quilt with 30 weight or 12 weight or 100 weight, you know. And um so it has it has the it, the 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 tension on it is digital. So rather than twisting your dial and hoping that you're close to where you had been for your 100 weight when you switch to a 12 weight i can dial i can and i can enter figure out the tension and then set a uh i have four different profiles for different threads and i can set those and that's been fantastic and really you know it changed changed how much time i had to spend on on that and that's my favorite thing uh for quilt and for piecing i use i have a couple of different things um i've got a baby lock destiny that i'm learning how to use the embroidery on um but i piece on it too i have a bernina 700 which is like my a workhorse and i have a featherweight that i use too cuz i you know, what's, what's, what's quilting if you can't do it in every room in your house? Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so they're all in different places. Um, uh, and they all, I find, have different usefulness um, for, you know, factors that go into it. So. So where can people find you online to learn more about you and your quilts and your long arming? Oh, well, um, okay. So I have a, a, blog. Uh, it's at mandalay.com, M-A-N-D-A-L-E-I.com. And I am at Mandalay Quilts on Instagram. And um, those tend to be my two spots where I tend to be. Um, and I haven't been super great about updating them, but uh, I will get better. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> Especially now, I feel like I feel like now that the quarantine stuff has been so like, it's, you know, it's been months. I'm figuring it out. I'm getting there, you know, in terms of, of, of figuring out um, a whole bunch of things and in terms of like what I, what I'm going to be starting to make and do. And for me, quilting is really a big part. Uh, it's a big part of what I do, but it's not the only thing in my life. Um, sure. And so like, you know, you were asking about like your favorite, you know, favorite things. And I find it like, I hate the word curated um, because it's, that to me is always like a museum thing. So when people talk about like curating their feeds or whatever, it makes me, it makes me cringe a little bit, but um, (laughs) that I'm a purist, I guess. I don't know, whatever. Um, But um, you know, that the, the, 
quilting is one part of all sorts of stuff. And so for us lately, we've, you know, we painted our own house last fall and we installed our new hardwood floors ourselves. And we're really kind of DIY types. And so quilting for me is one aspect of that, that DIY thing that I do, but it's not the only thing that I do uh, creatively. And so it's kind of hard to figure out what people want to see or share. And, you know, I feel like I can, like for my quilting stuff, I'm like, well, do I only share my quilting? Because all of the stuff that I do contributes to what I make eventually, but I have a lot of other stuff that I, that I do and find interesting. And um, I don't know if this is like, <laughs> it's like, is this a warning? I don't know. <laughs> if you come to my feed, you're not just going to see quilting. You're going to be seeing, seeing the drinks that we make and the house that we painted and the, you know, ooh, this walk that we took, which was pretty cool. And, you know, um, but it's all part of your art. It's all part of your creativity and it all in your brain combines to make the things that are you. So I actually find... I actually have started looking more for those feeds that are the whole person because that's what I find most interesting um, and most intriguing and the, the things that draw you in the most for me, you know, I know some people are like, just show me the quilts. I don't care about anything else. So, um, but yeah, so that's, you know, work in progress kind of thing, I think. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Amanda Lyons, a long-arm quilter, quilt designer, and the author of several quilt books, including Wonderlust Quilts and Inspired Free Motion Quilting, 90 Antique Designs Reinterpreted for Today's Quilter. And you can find Amanda online. And Amanda, thanks for doing this interview. Thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Great.